Hi, I'm Darina Williamson, author of The Celebration Place, and I'd like to say congratulations to IVP for celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. This is Eddie Byun, the author of Justice Awakening, Praying for Your Pastor, and Praying for Your Missionary. And I'd like to say congratulations to IVP for celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. Welcome to the Every Voice Now podcast, where we bring voices of color into the spotlight. I'm Myla Kim. And I'm Ed Gilbreth. In every episode, you'll hear from authors of color about the making of their books, as well as the challenges they had to overcome along the way. Hi, everyone. It's Helen Lee here, producer of the Every Voice Now podcast. And I'm excited to tell you about the episode we have for you today, which is the third in our series of bonus shows in celebration of IVP's 75th anniversary. Now, if you missed the first two of these, please go back and check them out because you will be blessed and encouraged by the personal and publishing stories of Jeanette Yep, Greg Howe, and Orlando Crespo from our first two bonus episodes. Today, you're going to hear from Skip McDonald. She is the author of two books for IVP. Her first book titled, And She Lived Happily Ever After, was published in 2005 on the topic of singleness. And then most recently, she also wrote a Life Guide Bible study for us on the topic of anxiety. Skip is a registered nurse, as well as a theologian and university staff worker, and she brings all that great experience and training to bear in her books that serve the minds and hearts and souls of her readers. She grew up during the civil rights movement, but she did not let those injustices and even the hatred that she had to witness and endure define her. Instead, as you'll hear, she learned to lean into her understanding of who God created her to be, and she shares those stories here today, as well as giving us a window into her publishing journey. And I was just delighted to interview her. She's wonderful to talk to. My colleague Paloma Lee was also with us, and I know you will enjoy this conversation with Skip as much as I did. Take a listen. We are excited to welcome Skip McDonald to the Every Voice Now podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Skip. Yes, my pleasure. Well, can you start off by sharing a little bit for our listening audience about what you do, what your role is within InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and how long you've been part of IVCF? Yes, so I have been a part of InterVarsity now for a cumulative of 29 years, and my role right now is as a regional resource specialist for the Southeast. And that's a mouthful to say that my focus primarily now is on mental health. So I do a lot around that. I've, you know, written Bible studies on it. I get to do presentations. Um, just, just to have a passion to help incorporate the importance of our mental health within the faith community. That's really important to me. Mm, that's mm -hmm. so critical. I'm so glad yeah. you're doing that work. Yeah, and then also I spend some time um, helping out with Nurses Christian Fellowship since I am a nurse as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You have so many different gifts and abilities that we're leaning into at University Christian Fellowship. So, so glad Thank to hear you. about all of those things. Well, we we always want to hear on this particular show about your ethnic identity journey. It's a key part of what we talk to with every single one of our guests. So we'd love to hear a little bit about your ethnic journey, if you don't mind sharing, just the genesis of your understanding of who you are mm-hmm. and you've been who you've been created to be as an African-American woman. So please tell us a little bit about that journey for yourself and what the key moments were um, in your own understanding. So having grown up in the civil rights movement, I was born in 1955 and um, and all, you know, my world was an all black community, went to an all black school from kindergarten through my sophomore year. And then there was integration. Ooh. So we had to be bused to the um, to the other school, which was you know, previously the white school and um, we didn't want to go and they didn't want us to come. So it just was not a pleasant, I can remember being afraid at school and not knowing what was going to happen. And I, I, I very much remember one day my dad came and checked me out of school because he'd heard there would be a big riot in the city because of all the unrest around, uh, racial unrest. And fortunately it did not happen. But um but yeah, but I just remember thinking to myself, I just want to finish school. Can y'all just let me finish school? <laughs> you know, I, I just want to get this done, you know. And fortunately, I was um, able to do that. And, um, you know, my junior and senior year at the integrated school, because it had integrated before it was mandated. Um, I was a, a cheerleader and uh, loved it. And, um, and one of the things that so sticks out in my mind, and I was totally floored, was when they had the athletic banquet, they invited me to come, you know, and my parents didn't even come. And I ended up getting the highest school spirited award. I'm like, how does that happen? I mean, I don't play football, <laughs> I don't want to hunt a basketball, you know? So, you know, I was like, okay, thank you. So, I mean, I, w- I came home with this big trophy. <laughs> My parents were like, so anyway, that was like, whoa. Um, but uh, just very grateful and um, went on off to college and uh went to i was supposed to come up to atlanta to go to hbcu and i got scared to come to atlanta from a little small south georgia town (laughs) my friend came on and i stayed i stayed down south near close to home and went to uh, valdosta state college at the time and uh one historical fact that i find so interesting is that my mother who's a school teacher she wanted to get her master's at valdosta and at the time she was not allowed to come in person. She could only do it uh, correspondently. And so I go off to college to Valdosta State. My sophomore year, I ran for homecoming queen and became the first black homecoming queen for Valdosta. And I thought, how interesting, my mother couldn't come to school here. God just has a sense of humor. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, let me show you what I, I can do. So it was really about him and what he wanted to do. Cause I was like, oh my, I was so surprised. <laughs> I was so shocked. <laughs> so anyway, made it through college, nursing school. Um, for the I was part of the black student league. We really supported each other, um, you know, cause we were in a very white environment and um, made it through nursing school. And so from then on, you know, I went into my first job, felt like there was some, some um, uh, uh, racial, um, Mm, how do I say it? Uh, 
some of the the um, difficulties of the job just felt like it had somewhat to do with my race. I was the only one in our orientation class, and I, you know, because I'm not quick to pull out the 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 race card. That's just not. I don't do that. But there was something about like uh, even even the other staff. They're like the new staff. They're like, uh, this something seems off here. So. Made it through that. Matter of fact, at the, at the 30 days we were going to be in orientation, the last day, God gave me the courage and I quit. And I thought, you know what? I, I don't have to do this. So <laughs> I quit and found me another job. And, and so it was it was that kind of thing of um, learning my way, um, you know, in, in this world and navigating, um, you know, who I was, who I am um, as a person of color. And, you know, my mother did an amazing job in being an example of that for me. Um, my dad struggled some um, with it, you know, I guess being a man. But um, and so I would see her when I was younger. We would have to go to the back doors of the doctor's offices. And I watched my mother go to the back door with her head up high, you know, just so. So she just really modeled all that. So I think, you know, getting my equal equilibrium as a young person and growing into who I was created to be, uh, I feel like she and some, some of the other people in my community really enhanced that in my life. So to the point now, you know, because we've gone through so much, oh Lord, you know, just recently in this country. And I think, well, uh, I, I'm grateful, you know, I'm older too now, so I've learned a few things, you know, that uh, regardless of what people say or do, it does not define who I am. So I know who I am as an African American woman, as as a as a um, God's woman, you know. I and so it's so it's so nice, you know. And I feel for especially our young people who are struggling, don't understand, you know, why we're being treated this way and all of that. And um, you know, if they'd ever want to come and sit with me and talk with me, I would just be with them because I've you know walked through some of that. And so now it's like just just. If you can get one thing, this does not tell you who you are. So, so go ahead and live life, do life, learn what life is supposed to look like for you, and give it, you know, all you got. So, yeah. Well, praise God that you come to that place despite all that you experience, Skip. I mean, just so much hardship, so much injustice, so much even hatred potentially, and you've come out on this other side with this amazing spirit and. An indomitable spirit. I mean, I just praise God for that. So, mm. and I just thank God for my examples, for mm. my faith. You know, I came to Christ as a little seven-year-old, so I was mm. learning about Jesus for a long time. They took yeah. me to church in the basket. Mama said I would respond to the preacher in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> I I also want to say I cannot believe you were born in the 1950s because you do not at all look like that's at all possible. So that's praise God for that too. Well, thank you. I, I tell people I said this is makeup can't do this. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. That's uh-huh. right. And people have asked me so, but I'm there like, no, it's Jesus. Yeah, you know, because it. it comes from the inside out. Yeah, makeup can't do nothing for your heart. Yes. Mm. Okay, That's so true. Now on this I love it. I want you. We want you preaching. <laughs> we love it when our guests preach. I love it. <laughs> Your book, And She Lived Happily Ever After, was published 17 years ago in 2005. Ooh, Can you yeah. tell us about the genesis of that book and what inspired you to write it? And what was that experience like? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, um, in college, I. 
I heard about InterVarsity one time. So we didn't have it at our school. And, you know, I came to InterVarsity in a whole unique kind of way. And so, you know, I didn't really learn about the press and all that the press has to offer, you know, until I came on staff and, you know, just got more and more involved. And, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I remember, it's so funny. I don't even know what year it was. I heard about this writing workshop for staff. Uh, yes. And I heard about it. I don't know if I procrastinate or if I heard about it at the last minute, I'm like, oh, I want to go to that. And so I called, you know, cause the time was running out and, I, this is where I said, I said, man, I just slid through the side door and was able to get in on that. Oh my goodness, it was such an amazing experience where they had us to bring some writings, you know, and they would look over it. And Cindy was was my girl. Um, and and I still can hear her say, well, I like your writing, but, um, but it, you know, this is not really, you know, um, you know, what InterVarsity Press, you know, publishes that kind of thing. She said, but we're looking for someone to write a book on singleness. Are you interested? I said, well, I've been living it all these years. Yeah, I, I'm interested. So she said, well, just go start writing. And this is at the conference. So I just went to my room, put all the other stuff aside and just started writing. And I remember her first resp her response when she saw what I'd done so far. She said, I can tell this has been inside of you for a long time. And so wrote the first chapter and, you know, all of that. And then we had to, we had to read, I don't know if we read the whole chapter part of it. And it, I was so nervous. It's like, it's like putting your baby out there for somebody to see it for the first time. I was, I mean, I was really nervous. Oh my goodness. But I made it through, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and, and the rest is history. It's been just an amazing experience to be able to be a part of the IVP family and, um, mm, forever grateful. Mm -mm. And that was Sydney Bunch, who is now one of our um, vice presidents. She runs our editorial department. She has been helping staff write books for <laughs> a long time. Long so time. I'm yeah, I'm glad she yes. had a chance to connect with you. Yeah, well, I mean, that book came out of that writing workshop. That was the beginning of it. And I remember after I did my, you know, what you're supposed to do with the writing workshop chapter and titles and all that kind of stuff. And I waited and I waited to see if they would accept the proposal and they did. <laughs> and I can remember as we were getting towards the end with all the revisions after revisions. And I remember thinking if they need any more revisions, they can do it. Cause I don't know that I can say this any differently than the way I've already said it, but that was it. And uh, so, yeah, but it was a very rewarding um, experience to have written and she lived happily ever after. And I was talking about the cover of the book uh, when they sent it to me. And I don't know, if, you know, anyway, the cover has these legs and, you know, and, and they were white legs. And I remember thinking, why are they white legs? I'm brown, you know. And so we talked about the legs. And um, so and, and, you know, what's interesting and I get this. It was the whole marketing piece because, you know, they were concerned that if they were black legs, that it for, for some people it would be a turnoff. So so we went with kind of olive. And uh, so I'm like, that's good. That's good. So um, but I'm just very thankful for that that opportunity. Mm, I'm so glad you advocated for that, Skip. I just that's like one of the things that is part of the journey of, of 
authors of color to be able to see mm -hmm. things that might be blind spots for our colleagues and mm -hmm. just be able to point those out and raise the issues. It's important. You know, it's mm -hmm. important. And I, I appreciate that IVP is a kind of place where you can have those conversations mm -hmm. and you can raise those issues and, yes. and people will acknowledge, oh, okay, you saw something that I as a white person didn't see. And that's, mm -hmm. it's okay to have those kind of conversations. Yeah, and yeah everybody was, they were gracious, very gracious. So, mm-hmm. Skip, I, I want to ask you a little bit about the fact that um, mm -hmm. you certainly like bring your own experiences and your stories into the book. And you mentioned earlier the point about your mom, you know, and what an impact your mom had on you and your identity. Did you feel like that was something that kind of flowed even through the kinds of stories you were telling in the book? Did you feel like there was a connection between that heritage and history of who God made you to be, um, the impact of your mom in particular, and how that kind of flowed into the into the book and its content? Yeah, I've never thought about it before, but I would say yes. Um, and, you know, as I said before, you know, as I got older, you know, I became stronger in who I was, and um, my voice became stronger, and, um, and not only her, but just other strong black women who were in my life, you know, and growing up. And then my, my spiritual dad, who was my pastor, just really spoke. So I, you know, I just, I have this rich heritage of folk who, who, who just poured into me. And um, so, yeah, I think even now, wherever I go, whatever I do, I bring all of them with me. When I think about the great cloud of witnesses, look, I got my corner of people who were there, you know, and, uh, and I'm just so grateful that um, I'm so grateful for for my heritage. And so, yes, I would say it indeed influenced my writing. I think, I think primarily in wanting to encourage others to grow in who they were and in their voice. You know, because I've been involved in women's ministry for a long time, and I'm telling you, I've heard a lot of stuff, and I'm like, come on, girls, come on. You know, you are more than that. You're worth more than that. You can do more than that, you know. you know. And so I, when I say stuff like that, I see my, my mother's, you know, she was just valiant. She was just valiant, and, you know, and so that just, you know, really, and I had a, a great auntie, and she was the same. So it's just like, so I'm, here I am going, come on, girls, you know. Uh, you can be and do whatever God calls you to be in Christ. Mm. Amen. I love it. I know the people listening now will be empowered by what you just said, and that will give them a lot of strength as they look into using their voice in mm -hmm. whatever way God has called them. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, we need to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to hear more from Skip about the unique impact of this book from 2005, but also her 2020 Bible study on anxiety. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening to the Every Voice Now podcast. I'm Terrence Lester the author of I See You, How Love Opens Our Eyes to Invisible People, and When We Stand, The Power of Seeking Justice Together. And I'd like to say congratulations to IVP for celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. Ever wonder how God is specifically inviting you into a deeper walk with Him? Join a diverse group of students and mission-minded hearts in Indianapolis this December, the 28th through the 31st, for the Urbana Student Missions Conference. Since 1946, Urbana has been a space for whole life, whole world discipleship. 
a place to discover how God is calling you to use your gifts and passions in His global mission. You'll encounter stories of people who have answered their call to the Great Commission and have served it around the world. You'll engage in dynamic, joyful, multicultural worship unlike any other worship experience you've had. And you'll enter a sacred space to interact with missions organizations and experts to discern where your gifts and experiences fit in God's global work. It's time to rise up. Learn about conference discounts by signing up for the Urbana Insider Community at urbana.org and register now. That's U-R-B-A-N-A dot Join us at Urbana 22 to discover, discern, and decide how to pair your passions with God's purpose. You're listening to the Every Voice Now podcast, and I'm Helen Lee. Today, we've been talking with Skip McDonald, author of the IVP book, And She Lived Happily Ever After, and the Life Guide Bible Study on Anxiety. Skip, I want to go back to And She Lived Happily Ever After and just ask you to remember what kind of responses did you receive Mm -hmm. from the book? And uh, just what do you remember about the kinds of feedback you were getting from people who read it? The response was very encouraging, actually. A lot of my responses came around the chapters that I wrote on sexuality. And, um, you know, there was this, there were these women who started coming out of the woodworks to talk about masturbation because that's not something women typically talk about. And I talk about it in the book, you know. And I remember when I was writing the book, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me there. I'm like, really? I got to put all that in the book? I was, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so I did. And, uh, but yeah, but it was, I was, I don't know how to describe it. It was, I was just grateful that I could minister to these women in this way, that they felt safe enough to come and, you know, whether it was email or if I'm speaking somewhere and, and pull me aside and, you know, want to talk to me about that. And, and, um, but then, you know, in other ways too, like I remember, um, I, it felt like it was a book for even older single women, not just, you know, I was, I mean, I was just writing about singleness, period. You know, whether you never been married, you know, divorced and you know, widowed, you know, whatever. And so being able to hear from different women was just really encouraging. And, and, you know, the story early on in the book where I talk about being in the back seat with my friends who were a couple were in the front seat and I didn't have anybody to hold my hand when we went to the fair, where were we going? I can't remember now. And uh, just people identifying, you know, with those times when they have, you know, maybe felt like the third wheel or felt alone when they were, you know, with others. And, you know, I've heard, you know, from college students, you know, women who have said, and I've even had a a, a, a male or two say, I'm going to read it too. <laughs> I said, that might be a good idea. You can learn some things. You know, if you want to learn some things about, you know, women, you might want to read it. So. <laughs> I love hearing about how 
even some of this writing was really just a step of obedience for you and just listening to the Holy Spirit. And even when it was hard and maybe even uncomfortable, you just said, yes, I'm going to be, I'm going to obey and I'm going to do what God has called me, called me to do in this Mm -hmm. book. So that's, Mm -hmm. I love hearing, I love hearing that. Let's switch gears now and talk about your life guide on anxiety, which came out in April of 2020. Well, the amazing thing about your book is that it was so perfectly timed. I mean, it came out right as we were entering Mm -hmm. into this pandemic when the whole Mm -hmm. world became anxious, right? Yeah, and let me tell you what happened. Yeah. So it was supposed to come out in the fall. Oh, okay. And and Cindy said, look, we wish we had your guide already because, you know, what was happening. And uh, I was like, I was wondering, but well, I'm going to call her up and say, I think you need to publish it now. No, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. So I'm just like, anyway, she said, you think you can, you know, because we had to do the final, you know, run through and I think you can get it ready. I'm like, yeah. And uh, so we went from in the fall to April. Oh, so glad you were able to do that because it clearly like hit at the right moment. I didn't know that backstory. So I'm glad that both you and Cindy kind of came to a agreement on that because that was really smart. Yeah. <laughs> that was smart. Well, can you tell us a little bit about any responses you've received or any feedback you've received on the Bible study? Because it feels like it really has gotten out there and there have been a lot of people who've been using it. Yeah. Um, yeah. People will often people would say we'll be in conversation, whatever. Yeah. And I just want you to know we're doing your guide, you know, and I'll be talking to somebody else. Yeah. And we're doing your guide. And, and so I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad. I hope it's helpful for you. You know, it's, it's basic and it's simple, but, but just the mere fact that God has something to say about this, you know, um, it just thrills me that I can make a contribution in this kind of way. This, this life guide has already sold thousands and thousands of copies. So clearly it's hitting a felt need. Praise God. What are you seeing in this generation of young people that seems to indicate that a Bible study on anxiety matches their areas of need? Yeah, I think, I think for the, especially for the young people, I think for anybody, but especially for the young people, there's just something about seeing and believing that God gets you when it's hard, when it's ugly, when it stinks, that he doesn't just push you aside, but you know, yeah, he he sees you, he hears you. And, um, cause I've heard, I've, I've heard a lot of hard stories from our students. And, um, so to be able to put something in their hands, where they hopefully now can see in a maybe a new way that God really does love them, see them, hear them, know them, um, and can offer hope and help. Um, it's it just mm, just blesses my socks off. What I can yeah. say, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and just having a tool. You know, I'm I'm about them tools. I say people talk about tool boxes. I say I have my tool belt on, and I keep my belt filled. You know, <laughs> so whoever I'm talking to at any time, and when I need to pull out, you know, so to to be able to hand them a tool is important yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And how did your background as a mental health nurse influence the writing of this Bible study on anxiety? Oh, you know, <laughs> some of those mental health uh, jobs, 
they were grueling. And what it shows me is that God will take whatever you've walked through, whatever you've learned, whatever your journey has been to take you to the next step of what he wants to do. Most of my mental health jobs as a nurse were difficult. The last one that I had when I was doing clinical work, you know, hands on in your face um, was very fulfilling. And the other ones were fulfilling. They were just oh, downright hard. This one, um, it, it, how do I explain it? Uh, this one wasn't hard, like the logistics and, and the heavy load and that kind of thing. Like when you work in a, I was working in a residential treatment center at one time and this was a hospital, but I was primarily doing outpatient and just loved it. Just had an opportunity to really connect with the patients. I worked with both, <clears throat> excuse me, adolescents and adults in outpatient, and I learned so much. Mm. And the people I worked with, you know, especially the, the full-time folk, we became close. We had each other's backs because you need to do that. And so I saw and heard a whole lot. And, and so being able to take what even I experienced, because obviously I can't write about people's stories and wouldn't want to do that without permission, but just to take what I experienced as a nurse and in interacting with them and being able to bring that into what I'm doing now, it really boggles my mind. I had no idea this is the way God was going with my work with university. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. um, so I had that background working as a nurse, and then I got trained to be a mental health first aid instructor. Um, and that's out of the um, uh, Center for Behavior Health up in DC. And so I started doing these classes in the community, staff started coming, then my supervisor says, I want all my staff trained in mental health first aid. So that's what that's when it just it turned the whole corner. It was like I was on a bus, the whole bus turned and and the whole mental health thing just I feel like too, your life guide hit at a perfect moment in particular for students of color. I mean, I think about all the racial unrest and all the racial injustice, especially, I mean, there's, it's been there for, of course, as we all know, for mm -hmm. decades, but particularly these last couple yeah. of years, it's been so front and center now that everyone has their smartphones and it's always in the media. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wonder if you have any stories or examples of uh, just interacting with students of color or staff of color where mm -hmm. you've been able to kind of bring together all these parts of you, your your ethnic and racial background, your history with mental health and serving the mental health related community, your mm -hmm. position as on staff. I'm just curious to know if you've had a chance to interact with people of color with this topic of anxiety and how you've been able to help them. Yeah, I have been, and I'm so grateful. I've done a number of workshops, and I did a workshop on the black mind, like what, you know, what is happening here? You know, once again, going back to when I, in the civil rights days, you got to know who you are, even today, with everybody else trying to tell you who you should be, and, you know, and helping to, you know, you know, I, I did another one on, um, debunking mental health stigmas because you know, black folk ain't into that uh counseling thing like uh-uh you know you know and, and that's for many reasons uh but um just helping folk know that maybe uncle george could have gotten some help if people knew a little bit more about mental health then um and so you know yeah we have to be careful not all counselors are created equal um and so just just helping I remember one Urbana, I can't remember which one it was now, 
but they had me come and talk about uh, mental health um, in the black community. So we're just trying to help sensitize people to this really is important. Um, yeah, so that's that's the kind of work I'm doing, I feel like, as far as folk who look like me. Mm, such important work. I'm so glad. So glad you are called to it and being obedient yet again following that call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just his grace, you know, because I, you know, and I tell people this, you know, because I'm doing all this work in mental health. As I look around my office and I see all these books, you know, and I just finished my training as a spiritual director. So oh, I did a two-year certificate program. And nice. um, Congratulations. Thank you. But what I tell myself, I, I tell other people, I said, look, when I'm preparing to do all these things, these talks, writing, I said, I run myself through the grid. I don't want to be the last to know I ain't doing all right. I'm trying to make sure everybody else okay and I'm over in the ditch. Like, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. That, that ain't how. And, you know, and sometimes when we're in ministry, we just run ourselves into the ground. That ain't Jesus. Mm -mm. I don't think Jesus calls anybody to burn out. I do not. Yeah, he he does it. I mean, that doesn't that just goes against the that just goes against who he is. That he would run us into the ground for his ministry. Really? Oh, see y'all don't get me started now. <laughs> oh, love it. So good, so good. Along those same lines, Skip, um, with those words of wisdom, what are some words of encouragement that you would like to share with young people today, or just? people today to help them with their anxieties? You know, I think one of the first things, especially as we, you know, because all of us deal with anxiety at one level or another, it just depends, you know, some people have it, um, um, struggle with it more, but we've all felt it. <laughs> I think we all know what it feels like at one time or another. And so I would say, um, first of all, pay attention. Because sometimes we're running so hard, you know, you're about to run over in the ditch. You don't even know it because you're running so hard. So paying attention to how you do it. Just, if, if you just take a 10-minute break and sit down and go, so how you doing? Heart, how you doing? How am I doing? And then being willing to hear what your heart has to say. Mm -hmm. And then what do you need to do about what your heart is telling you? and not keep ignoring it because it can lead to a bad alley. So paying attention, being honest with God. Sometimes people don't feel like they can because, you know, either he won't understand or what they've been taught that, you know, you know, if, if you're Christian, you shouldn't feel that way. You should, you know, just pray it away. You know, just, ugh. I believe in prayer for sure. However, I take my blood pressure medicine. Okay. So, you know, we just get things so confused sometimes. So paying attention, being honest with God, getting the help that we need. Don't let our pride get in the way of the help that we need. And and, and if you can, if, if you feel like you do need some help with your anxiety or anything that's happening, any mental health challenges right now, you know, try to get some referrals. You know, somebody that maybe knows somebody that went to somebody, you know, that kind of thing. And um yeah, and just stopping, like stop. Yeah. Like go sit down. <laughs> I need you to go sit down. Let me bring you something to drink. Not like lemonade. lemonade. <laughs> 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 you know, anyway, that that's a whole nother so anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so those are just a few things, you know, in scripture, what does you know when's the last time you spent some time with Jesus? 
oftentimes that's the main thing right there. Like, you know, it's, it, it, people, you know, I'll, I'll see somebody sometimes and I'll go, hey, how you and Jesus doing? They look at me like, I said, Jesus, you remember him? How you and Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> people give me these looks like, like, yeah, Jesus, how y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm sure people like she is crazy, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I, I I might be, but I care about you. So whatever I need to ask, whatever I need to do, I'm I'm probably gonna do that. Yeah, such practical and and wise advice. It reminds me of Elijah. You know, when he was running. Um, and God is like, you That's just need true. to eat. You need That's to sleep. Right. That's and, right. I hadn't even thought about that in the moment. <laughs> yes, yes. That's right. Stop. Just go over there and lay in the bushes. Yeah. Just go lay down. You know? Right. <laughs> because God is practical too. And you know, we, we, we give him such a bad rap of how he's just supposed to keep working till we fall over. You know, because even thinking about Elijah again, he ran hard and then God said, stop. Bam. Mm -hmm. Because he knew what was happening in his soul. You know, I think, you know, he had energized his body, you know, to do this, but his soul, God saw him. Yeah. Oh, it, it, you know, he's so, uh, just so tender. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I'm sad to say that we've come to the end of our time together, but before we go, we want to give you a few moments to share with our listeners about any special projects you have going on right now and how people can best reach you. Yeah, so just reach out to InterVarsity and InterVarsity Press, and they will be able to connect me with you if you'd want to speak with me or to have different writing projects coming up. I just started a podcast that's Skip McDonald, Just Sharing My Heart. And um, I've only done two episodes, and they were fun. So I was just, I'm just doing them as I'm doing it. I ain't putting myself on no strict nothing. So if I feel led to say something, I'll say it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be the... The best way to reach me. Now we wanted to share with you all that you can find Skip's Bible study on anxiety at ivypress.com. And if you use the code EVN40, you can get 40% off and free U.S. shipping. Thanks everyone for listening to the Every Voice Now podcast brought to you by IVP. Our producer is Helen Lee and our sound engineer is Jonathan Clausen. If you are enjoying our show, please share about it with your friends. We'd be grateful for your reviews and recommendations on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you directly anytime. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Every Voice Now, or you can email us with your comments, questions, or suggestions at evn at ivpress.com. And join us next time for another inspiring episode of Every Voice Now. Every Voice Now.